Man, James chapter 2 and verse 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. If the demons in hell have an emotional response to who God is, how much more should we who have been recipients of His grace and His power, His forgiveness, respond to the presence of the Lord in this house today? Has He been good to you? Amen. Would you lift up your voice and lift up your hands and one more time give honor to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. Heavenly Father, we magnify you today. We thank you for your touch this morning. You're a mighty God. Oh, somebody shout, you're a mighty God. A mighty God. It is certainly good to be back at Sanctuary Church today. Uh, We love this great congregation. And we're so happy to be here and worship with you. Good to have my family here with me today. They don't always have the opportunity to travel with me, but when I am not very far from home and sleeping in my own bed, my family gets to be here, and so that is always a special treat. We appreciate the O'Connells, wonderful people of God. Brother O'Connell's been my great friend uh, for probably over 20 years, and I'm so thankful uh, that God called him to this city And I'm glad that God called you to this city. Amen. I'm glad that God has planted this church in this city. Most of all, I'm glad that Jesus is in this house today. Do you feel his touch? Amen. I feel his touch today. John chapter number 5, beginning in verse 2 this morning. I will read uh, about eight verses of Scripture. John 5 and verse 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent or sick folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For the angel went down at a certain season, somebody say a certain season, into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man, somebody say a certain man, a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. That's a long time to be sick. When Jesus saw him lie and knew uh, he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, he asked him a question, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water, water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me, and Jesus responds to his desire, and he responds to his hesitation at the same time, and he says, Rise up, take up thy bed, and walk, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. On the same day was the Sabbath. I preach to you today a certain man in a certain season. Would you lift your voice and your hands to Jesus one more time? Open your your minds, your hearts, your spirit to the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we magnify you today. You're a mighty God. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the everlasting Father. You are in this house. We praise you today. We thank you. Would you give the Lord a great round of applause? Amen. The King of all kings is in this house today. Hallelujah. Accompany that with a shout of triumph today, if you would. Blessed be the name of our God. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning at Sanctuary Church. I preach to you today a certain man. 
in a certain season. I know that most of us are aware, but I want to just paint for you a picture surrounding the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. Bethesda in the Hebrew means house of mercy or place of flowing water. Bethesda was indeed a gift from God to the city of Jerusalem. It was nothing short of miraculous to have a fountain in the heights of the hills of the dry desert country of Jerusalem. It was at this pool of Bethesda around the water grew this city of Jerusalem. This is a phenomenon that is found not only in the Holy Land, but around the rest of the world in places such as Rome, in Italy, Bath, in England, Hot Springs, in Arkansas, Memphis, by the Mississippi. So it is that where... This is, there is an abundance of flowing water. There is going to be a group of people that will congregate around it. And so Bethesda was a place formed by an intermittent stream, the water building up beneath the earth and then pouring out, running down to the pool of Siloam. It is there today, and it was there then at this pool, this watering place, that there were five porches, and it was upon these porches that there was a throng, there was a multitude of people that made their residence, and they sat on those porches awaiting a certain season in which an angel would uh, an angel would descend and would trouble the waters. And those waters were not only a place of waiting, but uh, those who were not lame and those who were not injured and those who were not sick or halt, they also congregated there and they would bathe there and they would wash their clothes there and they would do the normal things that you did around a pool of that time. They would splash in the water there perhaps with their children in those hot Judean summers. They did everything that you would expect somebody to do in a pool in that day. But upon the porches surrounding that pool were those who did not have the ability, they did not have the capability of wading into the waters there at the pool of Bethesda. And so while others daily dipped in the pool, there was a throng that was on these five porches and they were up there just awaiting a certain season. These porches, what these porches were, where they were steps of sort. There were five of them, some closer to the water than the other. These porches were waiting rooms of sort for the lame. And these porches were where people lived. They ate at these porches every day. Their family came to visit them at these porches. These porches uh, were, were within reach of the pool, but these porches were dry. There was no flowing water on the porch. There was no place of mercy on the porch. And so it was that in the hot summer, while others bathed there and refreshed in that pool, the lame and the wounded would lie upon the five porches of the pool of Bethesda. They would lie there dry, dying on the porch. It was their waiting room, waiting for death to come and to take them. It was only a few feet from the pool. It was just feet from flowing waters. It was just feet, just a few mere feet from a place of mercy, just a few mere feet from a miracle. But for 38 years it had seemed 
seem like miles away from a miracle for a certain man. And so it is that here he is lying on the porch. This meant that he was near the pool because if you're lying on the porch, you're near the pool. And if you're near the pool, that means that you're near your miracle. And so it is that this man was on the porch, but he wasn't in the pool. He was near the pool, and for 38 years he was near his miracle. Yet for 38 years his miracle must have seen farther from him every with every passing day. You've got to understand a little bit about this port. This porch had a scenic view, but the porch was uncomfortable. The porch had a vista of where he could look out every morning, and he could see where the action was happening. But the porch was not a place of action in and of itself. You see, life was on the porch, but there were living waters, and there was a house of mercy that was within that pool. And so day after day, there were the lame, the halt, and the withered who would lie on the porch and they would never leave the porch night after night the porch was their cruel pillow the waiting room the days of depression am I speaking to anybody in this house that's ever found their nights up spent upon a porch that's ever lived their day in the waiting room just waiting to see uh, waiting for a certain man waiting for a certain season the darkness of your night lived on the porch seasons have come and gone years have passed me by. The church seems to be growing, yet here I am still lying dead uh, on this porch. Others are living their life, going about their daily duties in the flow of living waters. Mercy for them seems new uh, every morning, but for me, nothing seems to change. I live day after day, night after night in the waiting room uh, of my wasted years, decaying uh, and disheartened life Passing me by on the porch. Has anybody ever been through a time when you felt like that? Has anybody ever been through a porch season? Has every, uh, anybody ever been through a time where you thought that your season was going to last forever? I want to tell you that the word of the Lord says that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and warm will remain as long as the earth remains. That means that the seasons are certain. The seasons are certain, but they're not final. That means that there's never been a winter that lasted forever. You may be drying up in the heat of summer. But there's never been a heat of summer that lasted forever. But I want to tell somebody that there's another time and there's another season that's just around the corner. A certain season, it's elusive. We all believe it's coming and we've witnessed others become beneficiaries of the seasons of the miraculous. We've had seasons where people receive the Holy Ghost and we've had seasons where people receive their healing. But seasons come and that's the thing about seasons. They come and they go. 38 seasons of seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, 14,000 days this man experienced upon that hard, cold, sometimes hot 
porch. There are those who live life on the five porches of Bethesda. There are those in this house today that are living your life on the porches of Bethesda. On one porch, there are those who are waiting for a convenient season. When I get a few things right, I'll come back to God. When I get everything just how it needs to be, I'll step into the pool. When I drop a couple habits and start dressing right again, that's when God will accept me. When I get my tax return and I feel like I can start giving again, that's when when God will, will accept me, this when this depression subsides and I get a string of good decisions around me in a convenient season, I'll make my way in that certain season to the pool. Others are lying on another porch, barely clinging onto life on the porch where they're, they're over there on the porch where the sign seekers are, are congregating. They're over there on the porch where the sign seekers stay. I need God to show me a sign that it's his will for me to take this step. I need God to show me a sign that it's his will for me to get off the porch and into the pool. Am I talking to somebody in this house today? Maybe if maybe the right person would pass me by on a Sunday afternoon when the altar's open today and invite me to the front, then I'll take that as a sign and I'll view that as a sign that God wants me to leave the pressures and hardships of this porch for a place. I came to tell somebody today that you don't have to wait for a sign, but it is God's will that none should perish. It is God's will that all of us should experience the pool of flowing water. On porch number three, there are those who are waiting for another word. On porch number three are those who are waiting for another prophecy. They've got their pockets packed full of prophecies, yet they're waiting for another one. They're the ones that are waiting for tongues and interpretation, a prophetic word just fitly framed for them. If somebody will walk up and get me a word today, I'll know that I need to walk in the right in this direction. If somebody, if God will move on somebody, let me tell you something. If you would hear from God yourself, he wouldn't have to put your mail in somebody else's mailbox all the time. I want to tell you that God will speak to you in season and out of season. He's got a word for you. If you'll just calm some voices down and say, God, I'm tired of living life on the porch. Somebody shout yes. Because there aren't enough promises in God's word to get me off the porch. So I need a word from somebody else. (laughs) Because there aren't enough prophecies within this book that say I shouldn't live my life on the porch. So I need Brother Clinton Curtis to come up to me and say a word that's a repeat of something that somebody said to me last week. And so here I am. I'm waiting for another word. As long as I'm by the porch, at least I'm still by the pool. And as long as I'm by the pool, at least I'm not out of reach of my miracle. And some people are okay not being in the pool as long as their miracle is within reach. But what they don't understand is that that is an elusive trick of the enemy. Your miracle will always be just out of reach if you don't rise up and say, you know what? Today is my day. Today is the day of salvation. I'm not going to settle for life on the porch, but I'm going to get into the flow of living water. I'm going to let his mercy work for me today. Porch number four is packed. They're waiting for a feeling. (laughs) Because 
in Pentecost, you got to feel God to praise God, right? Because if Brother Blue Shirt gets up here and starts doing the Holy Ghost hokamaho, and he bumps his knee and knocks a chair over, Sister Pink Shirt says he must not have been in the Holy Ghost. And that wasn't the Holy Ghost hokamaho. That was the fleshly flick-a-ma-jig. And so it is that we've got congregations of people who won't stand up and get their praise on because they're sitting on a porch and they're waiting for a feeling and they're waiting until the preacher says just the right thing to say amen. they got to feel it. It's got to hit them between their eyes. It's got to hit them in the heart. And if they, let me tell you how they live on the porch. They live in depression on the porch. They live discouraged on the porch. They live with no hope on the porch because they live with a spirit of heaviness that's upon them at all times. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know what that means? You know, I really don't want to take the time and put this jacket on to do this illustration right now. I don't feel like it. some Pentecostal church like you have here. And he jumped off the drums and he goes running down here and I'm sitting right here, Brother Hurst, and I'm trying to time it just right. It's kind of like playing jump rope, you know, trying to jump in the middle. And I'm trying to time it just right. He goes running by me and I timed it wrong and I hit his knee and that old boy went splattering out in the middle of the aisle. Woo! So here I am thinking, man, I must not have been in the Holy Ghost. But you know, I watched what he did. He got up off the floor and he kept on running because his praise was not predicated on what somebody else thought. His praise was not predicated on what they, whether or not you think that I'm in the Holy Ghost or not. He thought, you know what? I'm just going to keep on running. I'm going to keep on dancing because my praise is not for them. My praise is for the one that saved my soul. not careful. I've got to have the preacher preach just the right message where it hits me right here. And that'll get me off the porch. And that's why I only get off the porch about four times a year. 
because it only hits me about right here about four times a year because I don't get off the porch and I don't get in the flow of living waters so my heart has become hardened to the word of God and my heart has become hardened to the things of God but I want to tell somebody if you'll make up the mind, your mind today that every time the altar is open whether I feel it or not I'm going to get up off the porch and I'm going to step down into the flow of living water I'm going to step into the flow of mercy I want to tell you that you may not feel it when you take your first step but by the time you get into the pool you're going to want to wade out a little bit deeper you're going to start at your ankles but you're going to be in waters that you can swim in because there are living waters there's hope there's mercy in the flow of the Holy Ghost somebody do that right now Somebody put your garment on even if you don't feel like it right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was nice. You put it on for a second, then you took it back off. <laughs> Somebody put it back on for a second. Somebody put your garment back on for a second. I'm not going to allow my garment to be dictated by my brother or my sister, by what everybody else is doing. But I'm going to get off the porch. I'm going to be the man that God called me to be. Porch number five, there were five porches. Porch number five, they're waiting for God to force them into the water. You know, kind of like, did I tell you that story? I don't think I told you that story. There was an old boy that was dealing with an anxiety attack in Truman a couple weeks ago. Did I tell you that story? And I walked by him and I laid my hands on him and began to pray for him. He began to have the, get the Holy Ghost. And after that happened, I said, man, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Because the Bible says command them to be baptized. And he didn't know any. He didn't know how to be baptized. So I was telling him how you need to be baptized. You just got the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized in Jesus. Somebody in this house today, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Immediately, there's this just this stream of words come out of him. I can't do it. The water's too cold. I don't know if you have water in the tank. You probably don't. I don't have any clothes. I didn't bring any clothes. I don't want to get wet. It was a spirit of fear that started attacking that old boy so bad. It was just like a flow that became, right after he got the Holy Ghost, he comes under this attack, and he must have came up with 20 excuses in less than two minutes of why he couldn't get in the water. I said, I'm going to tell you what, because I've seen this before. Why don't you just walk back here with me? And so I grabbed him, and I began to kind of halfway force him back to the back. Don't tell anybody I did this, okay? And so I started just walking him back to the back, because the Bible says, command him to be back. Baptized, and I could see that he was dealing with something that he couldn't deal with on his own. And he got back there. The robe wouldn't fit. He got in the water. He didn't want to get more than ankle deep because he said it was too cold. I said, do you want to be delivered? He said, yeah, I want to be delivered, but the water's too cold. I said, if you want to be delivered, come on down into this water. He got down in that water. I didn't, I didn't waste time teaching him how to put his right hand over his nose and his left hand on his wrist. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I baptize you right now. When he came up, there was no more anxiety. There was peace on his face. He was jumping. He was shouting. He was speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Because Pharaoh can't get through the water. 
Pharaoh can't get through the other side. They could be... Hallelujah. You might be filled with the Holy Ghost on this side of the river, but until you're baptized in Jesus' name, Pharaoh still can come and try to live rent-free in your mind. But Pharaoh can't get through the water. When you go down in his name, Pharaoh and the horses and the chariots are drowned in the bottom. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm talking to somebody in this house. I know I'm off topic, but I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm talking to somebody in this house that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost time and again, and you don't understand why you're under the attacks you're under. It's because you're still living on the Egypt side of the water. You need to get into the water, and you need to come out with your sins. That old man buried in baptism, and Pharaoh won't follow you through the water. But here's the deal. That old boy in Truman, Brother Clinton, that's some crazy people from Truman, Brother Clinton. (laughs) It was a unique situation where I had to help him a little bit. I had to kind of help him. Some crazy people in Truman, sister. I had to help him get buried a little bit. But God's not always going to force you. I want to tell you, Brother Clyde, there's some crazy people in Truman. I want to tell you, God wasn't forcing him. But he had a willingness and he had a desire to be delivered. And I just had to meet him at the point of his desire. And so on porch number five, you've got those that are waiting for God to show up and God to pick them up and to rip all of the addiction out of their life. And you've got those who are waiting for God to show up and for God to force himself upon you. Let me tell you today, Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anybody in this house. He wasn't going to force himself on this man at Bethesda. He said, how long, perhaps, perhaps, the scripture doesn't say, but I think Jesus probably knew, but just imagine, with how long you been here? 38 years. Then he asked him a question. He says, wilt thou be made whole? He was testing his desire. Because you see, there were a lot of lame men laying on that porch. There were a lot of messed up situations on that porch. But the difference between just another lame man and a certain man was a desire to be healed. I want to tell somebody in this house that there's going to be somebody that's saved, somebody that's helped, somebody that's delivered here today. And it's up to you to become a certain man through your desire. Do you just want to be another lame man? Do you just want to be another dead man on the porch? Or wilt thou be made whole? I want to tell you that God will meet you at the point of your desire. We read of Jesus healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead to life again. But there were plenty of people that he marched right on past. 
Because God does not respond to every need in the house if there's not desire with the need in the vessel. Because they had simply and subtly made up their mind over time that rather than desiring deliverance, they were okay with just sitting within reach of a miracle. And they were going to live their life on the porch. Five porches. And so there's always somebody waiting for a certain season. There's always a brother waiting for a certain sign. There's always somebody waiting for another word. There's always somebody looking for that Holy Ghost feeling. There's always somebody that's waiting around for a convenient time. It has to happen at a special event. And an angel has to come down and dip his left wing in the water on at youth convention or at camp meeting. And, and I'm going to miss, uh, I, might, I missed it for 38 straight years because I was sunburned sleeping on the porch. And the first one in uh, is the one that gets the miracle. Let me tell you something today. When Jesus shows up, that is when it is your season for a miracle. And your desire is what makes you a certain man. It's his presence that makes it a certain season. I came to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost today that if you will be the man, then today is your season. If you will be the man shaped by your desire, then today God will set the time to come and set aside the time to come and to touch you. If you will desire, God will deliver. If you will praise God and put on your garment, whether you feel like it or not, God will show up. Then coming to church. Always watching others from the porch. I've been through that at certain seasons of my life. They're bathing, splashing, drinking from living waters. Drinking from the mercies of God, but I'm stuck on the porch. And I'm waiting for outside confirmation to determine my season. And I'm coming to church just spinning my wheels. You don't have to tell me if I'm preaching to you today because I know I'm preaching to somebody in this house. And I'm waiting on a man and an angel and the moon and the stars to align just right for a certain season. I want to tell somebody in this house today, and I want you to hear me, that if you'll one more time, through your desire, make yourself God's lady. Make yourself God's man. God will move in this house right here, right now, in this time. He's the one that sets the seasons. That angel didn't say this. God is the one that sets the seasons. God has the right to interrupt the season. God is the one that troubles the waters. I say to somebody in this house today, arise, take up thy bed and walk. His mercy is here. He is the living water. He is the house of mercy. And when Jesus shows up, nothing else matters. Somebody stop waiting on a man to show up at a certain season and on an evangelist to come up and bring 
bring revival in his bag. I want to tell you, God picked a certain man and sent him to be your pastor. And when you look in the mirror, God picked that certain man and said, these are the hands that I'm going to use to reach this city. You don't have to wait for a certain season. But any time that you gather together and lift up your praise to God, what you're doing is stepping off the porch and into the pool and saying, God, I believe that you're going to complete what you've already begun. Somebody needs to get to your feet right now and throw your hands up and say, I'm going to receive my miracle today. I got to preaching the other night in Wilson, Arkansas. When I got to preaching in Wilson, Arkansas, as the musicians come today, that pastor told me, because I'd preached there before, Brother Stokes, I had the Holy Ghost had told me something about a lady in the altar, and I prayed for her, and she was healed of a migraine headaches. So he called me. He said, Brother Sanders, I need you to come tonight and preach on healing, and we're going to do a, a healing line. We're going to do a prayer line. Buddy, I'm going to tell you, when somebody calls you and tells you that, the pressure's on. Because <laughs> I can't heal anybody. I can't fix your marriage. I can't fix what you're dealing with in your life. God hadn't even fixed it up till now. So how can I fix it? So I prayed and I said, Lord, I can't heal anybody in this house, but I'm just going to believe that you're going to do whatever you're going to do here today. So I preached. And then there were about 40 to 50 people that lined up down that aisle in a prayer line. (laughs) And I told them before we started praying, I said, you know, when I pray for you today, for a few of you, God's going to show me what's going on in your life, and I'm going to pray for it. That's a word of knowledge. That's how the Holy Ghost works. It's one of the channels that the Lord operates in. He said, for a few of you, there's going to be a word of prophecy. That when the unction of the Holy Ghost comes upon me, I'm going to prophesy to you about your future. Because that's another channel. One spirit, but many channels. And I said, but a few of you here tonight, there's probably not much going to happen because those channels only flow when I open up the door. Those channels only flow in your life when you will open up the door. Say, God, I desire for those channels to flow in my life. I desire a word from you. I desire healing from you. I desire for you to deliver me. I desire. I want to tell you something. I have had demon-possessed people writhing on the floor in the church that I pastored, and all the devils in hell could not overcome their desire as they were delivered in the name of Jesus. There's not a devil in hell that can overcome your desire. You need to know that today. I haven't seen any demon-possessed people in this house today, but you might be demon-oppressed. There may be voices coming at you from all different directions, but I want to tell you there's not a spirit, there's not a demon in hell that can overcome somebody that has their mind made up. Yes, Jesus crossed to the other side 
And that demoniac of Gadara ran up to Jesus. And it was because of his desire. His desire overwhelmed the demon that had him bound and he was delivered that very hour. I want to tell somebody in this house today, if your desire will overcome your doubt today. (laughs) I felt a hang up in the spirit when I said that. If your desire will overcome your doubt, you're not going to be 100% faith and no doubt. You've just got to have enough desire to lift up your voice and say, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, I'm trying here. I'm trying to believe what you've got for me. I'm trying to believe what the preachers preach. I'm just I'm going to tell you something. If you'll have the faith to come to an altar, I've got the faith to lay hands on you and pray for you today. If somebody's got the faith to step off the porch and step up into the pool, then I want to tell you, there's some men and ladies of God who've got the faith to come up and say, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and I'm going to believe that he that began this work is going to perform it. I envision these altars filling up, but we aren't seeing it yet, so I'm wondering if there's somebody who's got enough faith to step out today. I wonder if there's somebody in this house, if you don't have the faith, that's all right. You, you, can, you, can, just, you can just make your, your day one more day on the porch. And, and you're going to be able to show up next week and pastor's going to preach and maybe that'll be your convenient season and maybe that'll be just the word and maybe God will give you a sign there. But I want to know if there's somebody that'll lift your hands and lift your voice and say, today is my time for God's favor. Today is my time to be blessed. Somebody, God's going to meet you at your, you don't have to wait until I lay my hand on your head for God to start blessing you. (laughs) Wilt thou be made whole? Somebody lift your voice in this house. Ah, Wilt thou be made whole? That's it. Open up the door with your desire. Let the river flow right now. Hi.